Many scientists describe primitive man living long ago before the first man, Adam, existed. What about the Stone Age? This week on Creation Magazine Live. Welcome to another audio podcast from your friends at CMI. Faith-building evidences for the accuracy of the Bible are coming right up. Welcome to Creation Magazine Live. My name is Richard Fangrad. And I'm Calvin Smith. Our topic this week is, what about the Stone Age? That's our topic. Now, the reason why it's important is because when people hear terms like the Stone Age, mm -hmm. etc., it reinforces a timeline that supposedly contradicts the Bible. Uh, a standard description from Wikipedia is... The Stone Age was a broad prehistoric period during which stone was widely used to make implements with a sharp edge, a point, or a percussion surface. The period lasted roughly 3.4 million years and ended between 6,000 BCE and 2,000 BCE with the advent of metalworking. BCE is the politically correct version of before Christ. Right. All of hinged, history hinges on Christ, <laughs> but it's before common era or before current era is yeah. what BCE stands for. Well, this uh, idea of Stone Age or Bronze Age or uh, Iron Age, etc., it, it's an attempt to describe archaeological data within an evolutionary framework. Right. It, it's basically an e evolutionary story about what they call prehistory, but it doesn't really work very well because it's not true. <laughs> if, if you read Genesis, you're going to see that from the beginning, people were familiar with hunting, agriculture, nomadic life, cities, music, bronze and iron. Um, and then you can read all about that in uh, Genesis 4, 3 to 4, and 17 to 22. Sure. Uh, and that was before the flood. <coughs> now, those that, uh, that built the ark, Noah and his three sons and their wives survived the flood. Uh, we're all descendants of those people, and they were capable of a very high standard of culture and technology and development. Yeah, creationists more or less reject the whole secular system of ages, the Stone Age, Bronze Age, etc., and generally try to avoid using these terms, which we consider kind of misleading, because these terms subtly promote the view that man evolved upward from apes right. uh, to humans, and, uh, you know, from cave dwelling uh, to hunter-gatherers to farmers to modern urbanites. Right, yeah. With tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we would say that uh, contrary to the evolutionary scenario, people... Uh, with a so-called primitive lifestyle arise, uh, arrived there because they lost their shared knowledge of culture and technology. They used to have it, now they don't. Uh, some ancient people have been described as primitive because they lived in caves and lacked advanced terminology. But in, in the aftermath of Babel, many groups that have suffered many of the material hardships and been forced by circumstances to resort to living in caves and using stone tools as they separated from speakers with different languages who, uh, who may have had that technology. Right. And, and as people spread around the globe, you would, you would understand that there would be loss of technology there. Right. Yes, and uh, Job may be describing such people in, uh, in Job uh, 30, 3 to 8. Um, but, but cave dwellers can still be found today <laughs> and, right. and uh, with yeah. lifestyles that are far from primitive. We'll discuss some of them, particularly the amazing Malabri people, uh, a little later in, on in the show. Yes. Now, have you ever wondered where the term, where the, where the term Stone Age came from? It, it, it's everywhere. Uh, the supposed fact that prehistoric humans used stone tools uh, for, for over two million years before they learned how to find and use metal. Uh, then they began using bronze and iron came only later. Yeah. Uh, but as evidence from archaeology, it, it's not as clear cut from archaeology as people think. Mm -hmm. uh, Christian Thompson 
the man who invented the three-age system, Stone Age, Bronze Age, Iron Age, was actually a coin collector mm -hmm. who was appointed the first head of the Danish, uh, the Danish museum, uh, despite being largely untrained. Yeah. The head of a museum yeah. made this system up. And his job was to find a classification system that would bring some order to the jumbled human artifacts they had lying around, tools, weapons, ornaments, and so on. Um, piled around his museum. So um, his successor at the museum, an archaeologist named J.H. Worsay, went looking for evidence of this sequence that he'd come up with at dig sites around Europe, beginning with uh, an excavation of burial sites in Ireland. And of course, he found lots of stone, brass, and iron tools. Okay. Now, it's commonly claimed that Worsay found these artifacts in the three layers proposed by his predecessor. But in fact, if you check his work, he actually said that you can establish nothing from the tools he dug up directly from the, the peat moss, because in such a peat bog, the iron, bronze, and, and stone tools are, are mixed all together. Right, because he, he also found tombs containing either bronze, stone, or, or iron sets of tools. So, so why did he conclude that these burials occurred in the classic 3-8 sequence? Because the sites with stone implements contained actual bodies, whereas the sites um, with bronze had only ashes, indicating that these people practiced cremation and thus were more obviously more advanced. How that's more advanced, we don't know. But anyway, yeah, <laughs> yeah. They, you know, even this dubious argument is, uh, is undermined by the fact that the, um, the, the people who had iron tools apparently went back to burying uh, bodies. So oh, okay. how do you determine what's advanced? But There's a lot of problems with the classical system of the ages of human history that people have been taught. Now, because of problems found with the, the Danish coin collector system of, of classification regarding human history, Modern archaeologists now acknowledge that the stone, bronze, iron age system isn't very helpful outside of Europe. And, and looking at it closely, one would wonder if it's valid anywhere. Yeah. Uh, it, it appears to be mostly just another instance of dogma about human progress and evolution that's been imposed on the evidence. And we see this all the time. Yeah, and, and it's not like anthropology isn't, you know, an incredibly important field of study. It is right. uh, it for is. understanding of man. And, and it, of course, it has consequences on issues like the value of human life, government, law, ethics, etc. And, of course, as it's a topic about history, it relates directly to the creation-evolution debate. Because while there, you know, there have been a sequences of technological in innovation over time, according to the Bible, all of the basics were well advanced long before Noah's flood in the days of Tubal-Cain, who forged yeah. all kinds of tools out of bronze and iron. And, uh, you know, of course, this is versus the evolutionary story of primitive, prehistoric, ape-like, you know, uh, humans developing bigger brains and getting their advancing technology along with that. Right. As a matter of fact, the terms creationist and prehistory don't go well together anyway. Uh, in, in, in some ways, there's, there's no such thing as prehistory because the Bible is a historical record that goes right back to the beginning of creation. Now, on the other hand, there have been particular places and periods, for example, where that term prehistory might apply, like Australia, for example, before the Europeans came when historical events weren't recorded in writing. But, but the key thing to realize is that the whole of science operates um, within a paradigm. Right. And the paradigm is basically held together with a story about how everything came to be. And that story is essentially assumed to be true. And, you know, for the naturalistic paradigm, the, the story begins with the Big Bang. Then you've got astronomical evolution, the formation of the Earth 4.6 billion years ago, uh, geological evolution, chemical evolution, biological evolution, human evolution, and of course you've got cultural evolution, and here we are. Yeah. Uh, that, that's basically the paradigm. Uh, the, a paradigm is a big, 
a big idea, a concept. Mm -hmm. All the scientific evidence is interpreted within that view. The paradigm isn't proven, it's merely assumed. Important note. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it's like a, a huge network of ropes and wires with thousands of people working on it and, and people kind of adding new wires and removing old ones and lengthening some and tightening others and shortening them and, and, and so on. Each researcher works on just their individual bit of the whole network and what they do is, is constrained to some extent by what everybody else is doing. Right, exactly. What, what you know, people need to realize is, of course, there are other ways of looking at the same evidence. Of this course. is what we talk about all the time <laughs> on the show. The biblical paradigm is held together with the history recorded in the Bible. So from the chronogenealogies and, and of course other data in the Bible, we can build a framework of world history, starting with creation in six days, about 6,000 years ago, followed by the fall, pre-flood civilization, the global flood about 4,500 years ago, yep. the Tower of Babel after that, the post-flood dispersion, and of course other post-flood history. Yeah, creationist scientists assume that the biblical paradigm, they, they assume that as their way of understanding the evidence, assuming this history is accurate, reliable historical records are indispensable to working out the accurate timelines of history, and the Bible is a supremely reliable uh, historical record. Again, in some ways, there's no such thing as prehistory because the Bible is a historical record that goes right back to creation. Absolutely. Okay, so, so let's switch gears here a little bit and talk about a specific example. Um, isolated hunter-gatherer tribes are, are often viewed in the West as being primitive or pre-agriculture, right. um, you know, not yet fully evolved, you know, relics of the Stone Age. So such people are, are frequently dubbed the people that time forgot. Of course, that's a concept popular popularized by Edgar Rice Burroughs' classic uh, yes. 1924 novel, or of course you've got the 1977 Hollywood movie version, the comic book act adaptation, yeah. all that stuff. You know. However, faced with intriguing new evidence, anthropologists having, uh, are, are having to completely rethink the primitive worlds people lost in time stereotype. The Malabri people. Ranging through mountain forests across parts of northern Thailand and western Laos, the, the Malabri people were first discovered by Europeans in 1936. They had no agriculture, instead they hunted and foraged for wild food in the, the jungle. Um, the region only, you know, they're the region's only hunter-gatherers actually. Now the Malabri lived as forest nomads moving frequently and rarely uh, showing themselves to outsiders, that's why they weren't discovered for quite a while. Yes, however, the Thai people knew of their existence, calling them the Fao Tong Wang people, mm -hmm. uh, the, the people of the yellow leaves is mm -hmm. what it means. This is because they would abandon their temporary bamboo stick dwellings thatched with banana leaves after a, a week or so when the leaves turned yellow. That's mm -hmm. how they got that name. Their enigmatic lifestyle caused anthropologists to conclude that the Malabri had descended through the ages unchanged, perpetuating a culture that predates agriculture, that some of the quotes suggest. In short, scientists considered that the Malabri people were relics of the Stone Age. That's how they were described. Yeah, but one of the neighboring hill tribes, the Tin Prey, and agricultural people tell a very different account of the Malabri origins. Yes. The Tin Prey have a story passed down from generation to generation to explain the origin of their secretive hunter-gatherer neighbors. Several hundred years ago, they say, the Tin Prey, uh, they banished two of their young children from their farming community, sending them downriver on a raft. The children, a boy and a girl, survived and escaped into the jungle. They kept themselves alive by gathering the fruit of the forest and, and hunting what they could, and uh, in time, had offspring of their own. And thus the banished boy and girl, uh, according to the Tin Prey, became the founders of the Malabri tribe. Okay. 
But this account was labeled uh, by others as a tribal myth. Uh, it simply didn't fit with the recognized evolutionary progression for the development of human cultures. Uh, that is, the hunter-gatherer predates farming and not the other way around. Right. Uh, the Malabri today consists of around 300 people. Uh, they're considered a vulnerable people with threatened lifestyle and language. Much of the original uh, ranging land has been lost to logging and encroaching farms. Forbidden by their own custom to own land, many Malabri now kind of eke out existence as laborers working for the neighboring uh, agricultural hill tribes there. Now, an international team of anthropologists hoping to uncover clues to evolutionary origins <laughs> set out to compare the genetic diversity of the Malabri with that of six agricultural hill tribes. The results were remarkable, as uh, Science Now reported. Astonishingly, all of the Malabri mitochondrial DNA turned out to be identical, a total lack of variation that hasn't been found in any other human population. So similarly, the uh, Malabri Y chromosome and autosome genetic diversity was also extraordinarily reduced. That's the way okay. they described it. Uh, the implication? Because the Malabri are genetically nearly identical, they must have come from a very limited gene pool. In fact, researchers conclude that the Malabri population descended uh, or descends from just one female and just one, or one to four males, something like that, who lived about five to eight hundred years ago. And because of the similarities in genetic makeup between the Malabri and the agricultural hill tribes, the researchers conclude that the most probable explanation for the origin of the Malabri is an extreme founder event from an agricultural group followed by adoption of a hunter-gatherer lifestyle, mm -hmm. and that the neighboring agricultural group was, quote, at least, close, at least closely related to the present-day tin prey. Yes, and in addition, linguistic studies have shown that the Malabri language is related to that of the tin prey, probably diverging a few hundred years ago. Thus, the tin prey's strange tale, as one news report dubbed it, turns out to fit the facts. It would have been better regarded as a handed-down eyewitness account. The Malabri were yeah. not a pre-agricultural people that time forgot. Rather, faced with having to survive in the jungle and cut off from access to crop seed resources and community support networks, they were people who forgot the know-how needed to farm and a whole lot of other things right. they, that their ancestors had known, making clothes, sturdy dwellings, social laws, etc. Yes, and given the, the young ages of their founders, this lack of, of handed-down wisdom from their elders is, is understandable. The tin prey... Uh, say it also explains why the Malabri are, are so childish <laughs> and why they speak so slowly. <laughs> but now, in light of the findings about the Malabri, the researchers warn that contemporary hunter-gatherer groups cannot be automatically assumed to represent the pre-agricultural lifestyle of human populations descended unchanged from the Stone Age. Mm -hmm. So they point to other hunter-gatherer groups too known to have descended from agricultural people. For example, the Polynesian hunter-gatherers on the Chatham Islands and in, and in the South Island of New Zealand who abandoned agriculture and adopted a, a maritime-based foraging subsistence. Right. Of course, this doesn't mean that the researchers have abandoned uh, evolutionary theories. No. They still hold that there was a pre-agricultural stone age and speak of such examples as, uh, you know, cultural reversion. But when asked, they'd be pretty hard-pressed to provide definitive evidence 
that people started out as Stone Age hunter-gatherers with uh, agriculture evolving later. Um, you know, just as with the Malabri, the indications from genetic, linguistic, and folkloric evidence pertaining to other hunter-gatherers peoples point strongly to their being related to agricultural peoples, but having suffered cultural devolution, not evolution. It's going backwards, yeah. yeah. Folks, there never was a Stone Age, except in the minds of those who presuppose an evolutionary history. Uh, the only way to definitively, to d definitively know what happened in the past is to have a reliable eyewitness testimony. And the Bible is exactly that. Uh, going back to the very beginning of time from the Creator Himself, in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 3 to 7, the Bible warns us that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. It goes on to say, they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens existed and the earth was formed out of water and by water, and by these waters also, the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. Yes, you know, because evolutionists forget about the global flood, uh, recorded in Genesis 6 to 9, about yep. 4,500 years ago. They think that sedimentary rock layers represent millions of years. And because they forget that the whole creation is only about 6,000 years old and that the first man tended a garden and planted crops of the field, they say that hunter-gathering preceded agriculture. Because they forget what happened at the time of Adam, then Noah, and later the dispersion from Babel, yeah. they, they falter in trying to explain death, suffering, fossils, and the origins of languages and cultures like the Malabri. Yeah, even more seriously, because they forget that the first man and woman were made in the image of God, that all people are descended from them and have been intelligent from the very beginning, they've replaced the true history of, of, of man, of, of people, with a story that implies some people are less evolved, making them less human than others, and that fuels racism. Of course. Some people aren't as human as others. Yeah, and even when, you know, an overt racism isn't manifested. Uh, nevertheless, the, the re uh, replacing of the Bible's timeline with the, the evolutionary timeline, that can hit people pretty hard, yeah. you know, in a hurtful and, and deliberate, uh, deliberating sense. Um, for, for example, many Aboriginal people in Australia have accepted evolution uh, you know, as truth, and that, um, you know, they're at least 40,000 years, they've been living this Stone Age of existence, um, you know, and so by implication that they're more primitive, you know, less evolved than the rest of the population. Right, yeah, and, and, and those destructive notions can be overcome by proclaiming the truth about origins. Christian preachers visiting Aboriginal communities have reported seeing, seeing tears of joy resulting in the realization among these folks that we're all of one race, as the Bible says. Yeah. All descended from Adam and Eve and later Noah, after the flood, obviously, and thus all equally made in the image of God, our Creator. Yeah, you know, in short, they've forgotten. Yeah, you know, and yeah. many Second people, Peter three. Yeah, in, in the Christian West too, are in danger of forgetting. You know, giving this uh, the widespread parading of the evolutionary timeline as fact through the media, yeah. schools, universities. It's everywhere. You know, and at the same time, of course, children's exposure to biblical teaching is diminishing. Right. Yeah. Uh, we would do well to remember the Bible's emphasis on passing on the knowledge of God's Word, which includes the correct history of time, uh, to the next generation, our, our, our children, obviously, mm -hmm. so that they can in turn pass it on to their children, and so on and so on, uh, lest we and they forget. Uh, in summary, the idea of different ages like the Stone Age is a man-made historical classification system developed under evolutionary presuppositions that's been shown to be incorrect in many areas of science. 
The Bible has the true history of mankind within it. This is the In the News segment, and uh, I don't think uh, since we've had that great article about how our, our face shape evolved because of With getting the- punched in the face, <laughs> remember that that really cool news article? Uh, we've never had as interesting a topic here. This was uh, from the National Post recently. They had a, a news article called The Shape of the Future, Is Obesity a Crisis or Just the Latest Stage of Evolution? Okay. And the, art, the article, uh, we'll try to get through this here. As early as April, new obesity treatment could be approved in the U.S. and soon after in Canada, this is from the National Post in Canada, mm-hmm. uh, that allows users to aspirate or drain 30% of the food they eat from their stomachs before their bodies can absorb the calories. Hey. The procedure involves implanting a skinny tube in the upper part of the stomach and connecting it to a loony-sized port on the outside of the abdomen. After meals, a a small device is attached to the port's valve. The valve is rotated open, and some of the gut's contents can be emptied into a toilet. the, device, the device's makers claim it's a low-risk, minimally invasive, and totally reversible way to lose weight. Although it sounds specific, specific, suspiciously, <laughs> suspicious, I'll get it, suspiciously like engineered bulimia, uh, but then our, in, in, then our hunger for something, anything to make us thinner, knows no bounds. That's how the article begins. Yeah, which so, is pretty disgusting, actually. Let's just face it. It's pretty disgusting. Yeah. Okay. I mean, the rest of the article, the whole premise of the article is they're trying to make a connection between the theory of evolution and the fact that some people are rather rotund. Now, of course, we would acknowledge the fact that there are medical conditions that obviously, you know, cause people to be, you know, to, to keep on weight and stuff like that. But of course, you know, trying to link the theory of evolution, oh, this is the next stage in evolution, uh, to, to, you know, the fact that some people are obese is, is rather ridiculous. I mean, are, is it only North Americans that are evolving or, or, or is this, you know, how right. come the Europeans don't seem to be evolving in the same shape as, uh, as so North I guess Americans? In, in cultures that are, are staying thinner and not seeing the o- uh, obesity epidemic, they're not evolving very quickly then, are well, they? You know, throughout this article, there are some very interesting pictures. And, you know, the, the whole creation evolution debate um, is portrayed throughout. For example, there's one picture here. And it's got Adam and Eve in the garden, the tree, right, the, the, the serpent, and uh, they're eating the fruit, and, uh, but they're not just eating one piece of fruit. Look at all the pieces of fruit they've eaten. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. why they're so large, right? right. So Adam and Eve. Interesting and then, how they're talking about evolution, but they, they, they what, bring in the biblical account. They're coming back to the yeah. biblical account. And then there's the picture of, you know, uh, Michelangelo's God reaching out to man. The that creation of Adam. creation yeah. of Adam. And, uh, and, of course, Adam's quite large in in this picture. Well, here's an interesting one. It's the classic ape to man series. Okay, so you've got your your, your ape-like creature there, and then you've got your, you know, your darker kind of ape man kind of thing. He's pretty thin, right? And then you've got your Caucasian, the skinny Caucasian, and then you turn into a fat Caucasian. Wow. So... we, and we've mentioned this before, like the classic that's in all of all of your textbooks, mm-hmm. the classic ape to human sequence. What, what's the shade of the skin in the people? Have you noticed that? It's always the dark skinned, hairy apes. Wow. So turning into is saying that black people are less evolved than white people. Right. How is that even allowed in textbooks in our politically correct climate? That's exactly. ridiculous. And the person and, who drew this picture 
<laughs> has obviously absorbed that concept into their head because now the next stage is the fat white guy. Amazing. Um, next week on Creation Magazine Live. See you then. You've been listening to the podcast version of Creation Magazine Live, produced by Creation Ministries International. With offices internationally and more scientists on staff than any Christian ministry, you can find loads of faith-supporting articles on our massive website, creation.com. Check it out. 